Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here today's episode, so we'll get started. My name, of course, is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in today and invest in yourself. And I want to let you know that it is possible for you or your business to become a quotable expert, a media darling, who will receive frequent positive attention from the media. So here's my question. As an entrepreneur or business owner, you've seen others, perhaps your competition, featured in the media, and you know your work is superior. So why do they get the media attention and the potential for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of free positive PR? See, here's what I've been saying for years. The media needs us, business creators, to be the experts, and experts like you to stand up, to comment on subjects of interest to the audience. So whether it's being quoted in your local newspaper or an interview on network TV, it's free publicity. Also, you can consider podcasts and live streams free publicity when you think about it. For example, our guest, somebody who you're really going to enjoy listening to, is going to tell you about a client who appeared twice on CNBC's Fast Money TV program as an expert guest for a total of eight minutes of TV time. Eight minutes of commercial time at that same network cost $1.8 million. You know CNBC is popular. So eight minutes of commercial time is $1.8 million. He got the same amount of time when people weren't running to check their social media or get another drink, and he got it for free. So, I am excited to bring with us today a gentleman named Steve Koch. He's a former ABC, CNN anchor, and now media and presentation training expert. Steve shares his insights as a former network anchor on how the average business person can get the unspoken endorsement of the media to attract prospects to your business. He shares with us his wisdom in using newspapers, radio, podcasts like the Business Creators Radio Show, videos, and TV to build your business. So Steve Koch of MediaTrainingNetwork.com, come on in. The weather's fine. I really appreciate that, Adam. And as a former TV weathercaster, I can report to you that here in Newport Beach, California, currently, the temperature is 76 degrees, there's a light breeze, the sky is sunny and clear, so yes, Adam, the weather is fine. Oh my goodness, he actually sounds like a meteorologist. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means, right? Yeah. could be right or it could be wrong. Exactly. Um, I'll tell you candidly i can't remember last time i checked the weather because here in more or less sunny las vegas nevada things tend to be pretty consistent all i really need to do is open up the door and figure out is this one of the three months of the year i can jump right in the pole is this one of the uh, six months of the year where it's going to be perfectly comfortable to sit on my balcony or is this going to be that brief period of time where i might actually need a jacket at night 
Yeah. That's yeah. really the basic questions. And on those five days a year that we actually get precipitation, it doesn't sprinkle and it doesn't drizzle. It pours. And mm-hmm. you see it coming miles away. So there's no, is it going to rain? Better take an umbrella just in case. Here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, if it's going to rain, you know it's going to rain. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what we have here. Now, what I'd like to do before we dive in, and I know, Steve, you have a lot to share with us today on this topic of how to use the media to promote anything. If you could just tell us, I mean, we know that you are a network news anchor. You work for CNN. You work for ABC. You're, you uh, were a weather guy. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today right okay, now, sure, serving, yeah. Yeah, serving business creators from yeah. your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and making a difference for your community, market, and audience. As a news guy, you know, know that uh, you got to get the taglines in. <laughs> well, as a TV anchor myself, a former TV anchor, uh, we were taught the three golden rules of broadcasting. Keep it short, get to the point, and always give the audience something of value. So I'm, with that in mind, going to try to attempt that. First of all, my resume in 45 seconds at age 15, I was fascinated with the weather. I observed it. I took readings day and night in my backyard. I built a weather vane and temperature gauges and rain and everything else. Loved it. And then I also watched television weathercasters on Los Angeles TV. I recorded them with my old realistic reel-to-reel tape recorder. And I would take their little nuggets of descriptions of the weather and write it down. Why? I have no freaking idea. But <laughs> as I'm, as I'm d- discussing this with you, I, I saw that there were several things that uh, came out. First of all, uh, I was pursuing my passion for the love of weather, anything weather, and that meant television weather forecasters, so I could watch them. So I was modeling them and pursuing my passion for, for weather. So that going, uh, my broadcasting career went to uh, ABC, as you mentioned, in Los Angeles. And then I left there to start the first 24-hour news channel, the Weather Channel, in Atlanta. From there, I went to ABC in New York, and then back to Atlanta, this time with CNN. Uh, being a weathercaster there. I left that in 1993 to become an entrepreneur, and I founded my company, The Video Editor, uh, which is a video production and post-production company. Then in 1998, I founded Media Training Network, which is a media and presentation training company, coaching CEOs and executives and business owners how to look and sound their best on stage or in the media. So that's kind of my resume in a nutshell. And I've, I do have some nuggets of truth or wisdom or insight uh, from each of those little uh, stops, if you don't mind me sharing with, uh, with the audience, Adam. Uh, not only do I not mind, but I'm going to ask our audience, make sure you have your pad of paper and two pens out to capture that, those aha moments. Two pens in case one runs out of ink or the cat grabs it and runs away. And be sure to go back and subscribe to Business Creators Radio Show on your favorite network so you can go back and listen to this episode again because what you have to look forward to are stepwise and easy-to-implement strategies that you can use to leverage the media. So, Steve, take it away. All right. All right. Well, uh, as I said initially, uh, being 14, 15 years old, just consumed by everything weather, uh, and then following that passion, and then modeling that uh, on the television news, for some reason, I don't know why, but I took notes and took, uh, had logbooks of all this. Well, it was uh, not long after that, I was 15 years old, my parents had a vacation home, and lo and behold, 
uh, cable vision was just beginning to, to uh-huh. spread out across the country. And I, um, in our city, they were opening up a, a cable television station with cameras and lights and news and everything else. So I got the experience to go on camera at age 15. I did that when I was 15, 16 years old. And this is all during spring and summer breaks and things like that. So again, just following, pursuing my passion, which was awesome. In yes. Bakersfield, I um, kept my eyes and ears open. I was a disc jockey at the time up there in Bakersfield, California, north of uh, Los Angeles, for you that don't know, Merle Haggard's area and uh, Buck Owens area, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, <laughs> if you're in the country vein of things. Uh, but I was aware of, of opportunities there. They had an ABC and an NBC station and a CBS station, and I heard of an audition for the Weathercaster. It was a you know, one-time, a one-week a fill-in for the regular person. I auditioned for it and got it. Remember, I had had several years of experience already, and now I had some more. Uh, So after two and a half years there in Bakersfield, I saw something that I I thought was an opportunity, and that was I had Los Angeles uh, television coming into Bakersfield, 150 miles north of LA through cable uh, TV. And I noticed that there was a weathercaster that just in my opinion, wasn't very good. I thought I was much better. So being full of myself, I guess, I and confidence and belief in my skills, I sent an audition tape down to Los Angeles and ended up getting the job. So what did I learn there? Basically, belief in myself and, and, and confidence in my skill set. Uh, and I guess I fooled my way into that job, but I, I nonetheless got there and spent a whole year there, and I thought that was great. But one of the cool benefits of that uh, was I was hired by the guy that hired Oprah. I, I was hired a couple of years prior to Oprah being discovered by this gentleman, Dennis Swanson. So, right. uh, and that's important later on because we get into networking, which is also important. Uh, so after I was in LA for a year, I got recruited to start the first all weather channel in Atlanta, Georgia. And I moved there for two and a half years and being a startup uh, company as we were at that point, uh, television was was visually, obviously. Obviously, we want the visual element. And when you're talking weather, you want to show the raindrops and the tornadoes in Toledo and things like that. But you really couldn't because we didn't have the budget for it. So we learned to be scrappy. And believe me, that helped me in my entrepreneurial uh, endeavors later on. But we were scrappy. We would figure out a way to get weather reporters uh, to talk about the tornado in Toledo we would actually call up just regular people out of the yellow pages in Toledo and say, Hey, did you see the storm? Talk to me about it. And sure enough, we would deputize them and they would be the weather reporter for the weather channel in the early yep. days. So you got to be innovative and smart and things like that. So that was very interesting there from the weather channel. I then went to ABC New York and this is where more of the networking took place for me. Here I was in New York city, the top, number one TV market in the country. I had made it and I was the weathercaster there on ABC, but I got to rub shoulders with people that I used to watch as a kid growing up. People like uh, Regis Philbin, Tom Snyder, later Larry King and Walter Cronkite. Wow. Yeah. And and, and networking is what got me into CNN. That was my next step back to Atlanta. And, and there, Ted Turner was there. And Ted Turner was into so many other things. He had so many different businesses. He was an America's Cup sailing champion uh, and on and on and on. But CNN was a new startup as well. 
and money was tight. We had to be scrappy, kind of the same thing as with the Weather Channel. We would have reporters there on site of a news event. We didn't have the video then, couldn't find it, or it wasn't, ex- it was too expensive. We just didn't have the crews for it. Uh-huh. But again, we would get on the phone and make do. So that was pretty cool lesson to learn there. Ted Turner, of course, was a very charismatic individual. Everybody wanted to work for him. And uh-huh. he would, he would, Manage by walking around. Uh, he would pick people's ideas, pick their brains, get their ideas on things. And I remember one time he um, he slept at a penthouse uh, above CNN on the seventh floor. And uh, every once in a while at night, he'd come in in his pajamas and a bathrobe and go to the CNN cafeteria to get something to eat, you know, midnight snack. So, but, you know, from that, I learned that you need to be close to your brand, close to your people, learn to trust them. And those are some of the key uh, elements or lessons that I learned from that, that I was able to then transfer over to my business, uh, which has now been going for 26 years. So I, something must have stuck, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's something, and and t- tell me if I'm accurate in what I'm perceiving here. You told me about when you were with the Weather Channel, when it was a startup, and you didn't have reporters on the ground in Toledo. So you found random citizens who were willing to speak with you and give you insights, and and effectively, they became your on-the-ground reporters. And then you told me about the early days of CNN. I don't know about the early days of CNN. I'll tell you exactly why. It's because, to date myself, um, I uh, grew up in a, not even a rural town, but like way out in the boonies. And I didn't leave there until 1994, which was when I went to college. So I'm kind of dating myself here. All right, I'm 42 years old, so you can do the math. And what I just described should kind of tell you how much CNN or anything was coming into our TV. We had the, uh, the antenna on the roof and the little rotary dial thing that you turn trying to catch the signal that somehow made it over all the mountains and through the valleys up to where we were. The only station we got clearly was our local ABC affiliate. We could get CBS so that uh, I could watch the prices right in the morning during summer vacations and such, but it was a little bit fuzzy. And NBC, uh, well, sometimes. And uh, there was was another um, NBC affiliate on the UHF dial that we could occasionally pick up if we got lucky, but there was no cable. In fact, the area where my parents still live there, they didn't even get cable till about five years ago. It was about mm-hmm. 20 years ago that the signals were good enough that they could get dish. Yeah. 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 So it, you know, isn't it amazing how far we've come in that period of time? I mean, even yeah. now we, we don't even need a television, right? We can use our computer if we yep. have internet connection. <laughs> I guess maybe I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cord cutter. I'm a cord cutter, and yet I get all the news I need. And this actually leads to my question. Uh, you, know, you deputized local citizens when you were at the Weather Channel, and you said with the early days of CNN, which I missed out on, it's kind of the same thing. You didn't have reporters on the ground. You didn't have access to video right. cameras. Right. So you had to rely on audio feeds from whoever you could speak with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do and, we uh, still see some of the same thing today with major news networks relying on local reporters to do stories and sometimes even interfacing with local social media personalities whose own reach is entirely through social media or new media and sort of deputizing them to act as reporters? Yeah, it is. Um, Definitely, I see that. Uh, And it's so much, you know, CNN or any news organization cannot be everywhere. 
So they have to rely on, on eyewitnesses, however they come about, whether they're on social media or just um, deputizing citizens, as we talked about. Um, but there is a need for, for dissemination of news and however, or information. However, that comes across is where we need to go to get that source. And oftentimes you're right. It is the person that, that is on the street. Um, but then again, as business owners uh, and entrepreneurs, and we want to position ourselves as being the expert in our field, how do we do that? How do we yeah. do that when there's so many different options out there? Steve, that's where I was going. That's where I was going, Steve, actually, is how do business creators position themselves to be the man on the street or woman on the street who gets the call when the major network needs help? Yeah, exactly. Um, so how does that happen? How does it happen? Well, for instance, in, in my line of work, um, people ask me, well, you've had a wealth experience. You've done television. You've done many videos. You've been a host of, of this program and that program. How do you differentiate yourself from anyone else that's been on television? And, um, and, and I tell them, basically, it gets down to my secret sauce. What, what, is make, what makes me unique? Sure, my weather background is unique. I don't necessarily use that today in my media training. But you know what? I kind of do because I learned way back when how to have what I call executive presence. For, and, and any business owner can learn this. It's not just, oh, I can, uh, you know, I'm a good communicator. I can get up on stage and I can speak or I'm scared to death of speaking and don't want to do that. But how do I position myself as being an expert? And I think it's just finding out what works for you, what you're best at. And there still may be 10 other people that know exactly what you know, but you position yourself, you help be helpful. I think that's the key is to be helpful uh, to other people and not pushy or shovey or selly uh, and just be there for, for that person. So I think that's, that's what helps differentiate people uh, in, in their line of work, whatever it might be. So you're, you're absolutely correct that we have to find ourselves, whatever that anchor is for us, then portray that and move that forward uh, to the public. All right, so uh, we've covered a little bit about the best way to capture the media's attention, um, and we've also discussed a little bit of the benefits of appearing in the media, and I'm sure we'll come back to some of those topics. Uh, I'm sure they'll interweave through the rest of our conversation over the next 40 minutes or so, but I know our listeners, when they heard you were going to be on Business Creators Radio, and we started getting emails about this, like, hey, could you ask Steve this question? Uh, one of the ones that came up a few times, uh, people want to know, um, what there's a couple of things they need to know, but the first is what are some of the presentation basics for going on a television interview? Uh, very good. I'm glad you differentiated that as because uh, there is a difference between going on television or going on radio or on a podcast or being quoted in a newspaper. There Let's, are, we have time to do them all. If you can give us a little bit about all yeah, of them. Yeah, sure. And uh, that's, that's one of the things that we coach when we first talk with someone um, where's your opportunity? Where's the media? Who do you want to speak with? So um, we first of all begin with who's the audience? Now, if it's a television station and you've been asked to appear as an expert guest, uh, and so then you get to know the audience of that television program by watching that show. They may cater to females. They may cater to the general public. It may be a business channel or a financial channel. Learn who the audience is and what's the information that will most benefit the audience. Then you begin your, your, your preparation work. And what is it that you really want to say? Do you want to inform? Do you want to educate? 
entertain? You know, what is the, what's the end result? What's the takeaway? What's the call to action that you want to have when you go on television? Uh, if it's developing yourself as being a guest expert and authority in your field, then make sure that you have the information, the latest information on your industry, and you can speak to that when asked about that. So find out who the audience is, being prepared, and that oftentimes will mean, especially on television, paring it down to just the essentials. We talk sometimes about sound bites. What are sound bites? Short to the point um, comments uh, that have the big ideas involved with it and that cap hopefully capture attention of the audience. That means taking maybe a 30-second uh, piece of information that you want to get across to the audience and then cutting that down to 15 seconds and then even going to 10 seconds if you can. So maybe 10 words that will best clarify and identify and communicate to the audience um, about what you want to communicate about. So those are the basics when you go on television. I mean, there's, there's many, many, many other things. There's verbal and nonverbal uh, signals that you have to communicate when you're on television. Uh, it's not just about what you say, because people do have that added sense of being able to see you as well. And if your sight and your message, your sound are not in sync, the message won't get through. For instance, um, if I were to say a soundbite, something along the lines, if I was a company president and I said something about our company is totally transparent and we, we look forward to serving our clients and our employees, we are totally transparent and everything is fine and rosy with our company. All right, that's kind of a weak soundbite there. But uh, if the visual element shows me crossing my arms and leaning back and staring I don't look sincere. I look standoffish. I look closed up. I look like I'm probably lying. So the message and the nonverbal don't match up. So that's just one tip with uh, television. Right. And I also know from my own media training that when you're on television, uh, it's very important like especially if they have you sitting, to be careful of limiting your body movements because you're probably going to be portrayed your head and then your shoulders down to more or less your rib cage line is the way it was described to me. So even, I mean, you can be fidgeting your legs to your heart's content or what have you, but that top part of you has to be still. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, like you said, there's the more subtleties of that, but you're right. Everything is magnified because that camera is pretty tight on your body as Adam clearly identified there. And so any movement or any nuance that you have will be amplified. So yeah. I always say, sit at the edge of your chair. Don't rock or swivel. Most chairs and television stations don't do that, but if they do, Make sure that you plant both feet firmly on the ground and you're engaged with the host or the reporter or the yeah. anchor. You, look, you lean slightly forward, you make eye contact, you have a pleasant face and you're listening and you move your head occasionally as you're acknowledging their question. And as you talk, you use subtle hand movements here and there and you smile occasionally if, if, yeah. the, uh, if what you're speaking about um, concurs with that. Obviously, you don't want to say that if something bad is happening. You don't want to be, you know, smiling uh, when bad news comes. Right. But, um, you know, engage with the host and, and, and look sincere. And that comes across as uh, that helps the whole image to make you look authentic and real and open.
Yeah. Well, I was on TV, sort of, uh, just last year. In fact, if we have time, I have a question about that, but I know I want to keep this focus on our listeners' needs for now. Uh, how, what about radio? I've also been, I, I've been on NPR, actually, so, mm-hmm. and I got, got some feedback from the host that I actually did a pretty good job. I'm not going to, you know, critique myself at this point, because this is really about you, Steve, and it's about the listeners. But what do our listeners need to know if they have the opportunity to get on NPR? And I got on NPR just because I answered somebody question on social media and he said hey i need somebody to come with me because i'm getting interviewed you want to come and i went that's how i did it yeah see you you made yourself available you were you were at the right place at the right time and you were prepared but uh, on a podcast or a radio obviously the audience can only use one sense to pick up your message and that is the sense of hearing so to overcome that limitation, we can give the audience a few other clues. You know, we can't show anything visual. They can't smell. They can't touch or taste, thankfully. <laughs> but we can give them something of a variety in our voice. Uh, a few clues might be um, using vocal variety. If I spoke in monotone voice like this all the time, it sounds pretty deep and, and, and uh, bassy and things along those lines. But right. it can also put people to sleep, my goodness. Yeah. You add vocal variety. Your voice is up. It's down. You're, you're, you're coming to an emotional story and you bring it in like this. But the tone and the voice definitely can communicate a lot. If I'm smiling like I am right now, that comes across on, yeah. the, on the audio. Do and you hear me? Do you hear me yeah. grinning? Yeah, I do. You hear it. You hear oh, it. Yeah. 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 Now, no, I mean, now, that's, now, that's, now do you hear me scowling? Because I am actually scowling right now. I hear it in your voice. Yes, exactly. I do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So those are all important markers for us to use for the audience. Um, and um, it, it's, it's extremely crucial to do that. Pacing, how you breathe. If I'm talking like this, like I'm out of breath. Uh, that can give all kinds of different messages across, depending on what I'm talking about. If you're asking me, uh, you know, the uh, 20th uh, degree, and where was I last night and all this and that, and I'm huffing and puffing like this, I mean, I can sound guilty. So you, you've got to be very careful when you're on the radio. But I think if you're just telling your story and you're leaning into the host and listening to what's being asked of you, and then you communicate effectively uh, with your voice, uh, that gets across to the audience and they pick up yeah. on that more than anything else. And, you know, bottom line, what it gets down to is your audience begins to know, like, and trust you. And they've never even yeah. met you before. So it's very critical that you use your voice in, in, a, in a proper way in speaking. Yeah. And now what about podcasting? And I actually train folks on how to be effective on podcast interviews myself. So I'm not going to interject any of my thoughts right now, but I want to hear yours because podcasting can be considered similar in some ways to radio. And if there, if it's a video podcast or it's being simultaneously video live stream, like some podcasts do, that can also be a video opportunity. So you could be doing audio and video at the same time. In fact, I'll give a brief shout out to Ben Gothard of Project Egg, which is one of our favorite podcasts and somebody where a number of our clients have actually been placed. And when he does his interviews, he simultaneously records the podcast that'll be posted on his website and go out through iTunes. And when he does the recording, he actually does it from the studio. So you have a side-by-side video presentation. So when that person is speaking, they are simultaneously audio and video. 
<laughs> I think it gets down to bottom line. You, you want to be able to communicate your message in the best way possible, whether you're smiling and your eyes are open because you're on television and you have to look engaging, or if you're close your eyes, like I am right now, I'm communicating effectively the best of my ability. I want to give the best information I possibly can. I get close to the microphone, but I don't want to be popping. That's right. where the air hits the microphone too yeah. hard and it, you know, sounds like that and it doesn't yeah. sound good. You know, so those are little techniques, but basically I think bottom line in any communication, you've got to bring your message across and be likable. So eventually it will lead to that credibility that you, you're trying to establish yourself in. Yeah, a lot of um, podcasts now are adding the visual element as well. And then you just have to be a little more engaging with that because now they've got the, the sight and the sound. Uh, for the audience to be able to judge. But uh, on the radio and podcast, I think it's pretty much the same. It is a audio recording uh, or, or broadcast, and it's, um, it's just communicating friendly with your voice. And the final piece we said we were going to cover, I believe, is getting quoted in articles and quoted in sound bites. Yeah. Um, and in the media, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the print media in particular. Right. Um, it's, it's a different medium. They, um, they usually will interview you. The reporter will interview you over the phone, uh, perhaps in person, but over the phone is usually the way it's done. I remember several years back, I was uh, interviewed on an um, Investor's Business Daily newspaper uh, about my media training skills. Uh, and uh, they would ask questions. And how I approached it as, as um, someone that was being interviewed, as it is with this podcast, by the way, uh, Adam, I've got notes posted all around me that yep. I, if you ask me about sense, sensory perception, I can go right to that or this or that. And I've got this all spread out right here, but it, uh, it saves me from having to move papers around and rustling around like I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one tip right there. But uh, when I was interviewed, um, I was asked questions and it was a little disconcerting. It was back in the day of tele uh, of typewriters. I could actually hear the reporter typing away. Sometimes you can still hear that with the, the keypads that, that, that computers have, but I was asked questions about different things and um, you know, about my skills and, and what's the best way to approach a soundbite and handle this and handle that. And I had answers and I had my notes in front of me. So it was easy to refresh my memory. Um, but the danger that you get into when talking to a reporter, a print reporter, is that they are generalists for the most part. They don't specialize in the media or uh, or in cooking or whatever it might be. They're generalists. Some, you know, some days they'll be covering a fire. The next day they're covering a, a politician coming to town. So they, they need to be informed as well a little bit more. And you being the expert in your industry, you want to be as helpful as possible so you can get quoted. But the problem is that sometimes you give way too much information and that leads to information overload. And then when the story comes out, the reporter gets confused and, and, and doesn't connect things correctly. And it seems like you're misquoted and you can look bad. So with print, you need to be just a answer the questions as they are given to you and, and kind of stop at that point. You don't want to keep going on and on and on and on. Um, so that's one trick with, uh, with the uh, print medium that you have to be careful about. You can give more information. You can talk longer. Your sound bites don't need to be uh, at 10 seconds. 
they can be. And the more colorful they are, again, the more quotable it will be even in, in print. So print is extremely effective. And I would, I would advocate definitely that uh, business owners do use the media as best they can. There's local newspapers and magazines, uh, radio and podcasts that you can get onto easily enough. Um, and it will help get your message out to the public and, and, and be that quotable expert. So when something does happen, they'll remember you and they'll ask for your opinion or your quote on something. Something just came to mind that I haven't thought about for 25 years. When I was in college at Penn State, I was in student government. And my sophomore year, I was on the executive council of the Commonwealth campus, or for colloquial reasons, we'll call it a branch campus, their student government body. And one of the other executive officers resigned from the board after three months and he was a friend of mine so I know part of his issues were he was having a personality conflict with one of the other executives and I had that same personality conflict this is somebody who had personality conflicts with everybody now the fact that he resigned made news throughout the Penn State system and all of its Commonwealth campuses and everything else because it so rarely happened and you had the Penn State uh, I believe it's a daily collegian or, oh my goodness, I can't remember what the name of the official Penn State newspaper is. But anyway, they did a story on it and they telephoned me in my dorm room and they interviewed me about what was going on. And I explained, I gave about a five minute explanation and I covered all of the aspects of everything that was happening. I touched on that there was a personality conflict. I mentioned that this friend of mine who was resigning was overcommitted between ROTC and an extremely heavy course load and holding down a part-time job and traveling all the time for a reason I can't remember why. And when I saw the article that came out, I was quoted in it. And here was my quote. I remember it verbatim. It simply said, really, it was a time crunch. That, that was the quote. Really, it was a time crunch because they featured me to highlight the fact that I knew the guy better than anybody else did. So I had insights to what was going on in his daily life. And they brought me in as the authority to summarize and add validity to he was just overextended and had, to, had something he had to give. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and that can be dangerous uh, if it's a crisis situation and you, you're just rambling on and you don't really have a clue. They could misquote you as saying, you know, some, this CEO, the president, was the result of this crisis. Uh, or it can make the company look bad. And if you're, right. a, public, if you're a public company, uh, you could lose uh, market value very, very quickly. So that, that gets into kind of crisis uh, uh, media presentations. How do you handle a crisis? Be prepared for it, number one. Know what you can say and don't say is probably number two. But you're right. The, the media, uh, if they get overwhelmed with too much information, they can misquote you very easily or misplace your quote. So you've got to be careful with that. But in general, the media is not out to get you, but they will use everything that you give them <laughs> in one way or another to their advantage. Re- keep yeah. in mind that they're, they're, they're trying to communicate a story to their audience. They're trying to sell newspapers or magazines or their TV commercials, whatever it is. They're in the business of providing information 
that will allow them to charge money for commercials and, and placements and things like that. So they do, getting back to our earlier comments, that yes, they do need us as small business owners or experts in our industry or our authority, um, that we need to be able to speak clearly to that and take advantage of the, the drift, the, uh, the spin that we get from appearing in the media. Right. Okay, I'm going to tell my story now because this kind of leads to my next question. And yes, our listeners are going to chuckle because, uh, and I'll explain in a second, because you have a background with CNN. All right, so Steve, last year in Las Vegas, I attended, I attended the Trump rally that happened here in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went there because I, uh, you know, I had some friends who were going and I, I wanted to see it for myself. Now, I know that at those rallies, which tend to be huge and have thousands of people waiting to get in and everything else, they send the media. Every network is going to be there in case there is a story. Let's put it that way, in case there's a story. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, they'll just say, hey, we're here at the rally. we to interview a few people and get their thoughts. Well, I was approached, and uh, she was coming right towards me. Uh, she was, uh, or is rather, one of the anchors of one of the new media stations called the Right Side Broadcasting Network, which some of our listeners may have heard of. And she probably zeroed in on me because uh, of all these throngs of people wearing their Trump t-shirts and everything else. I was a guy in a button-down shirt and a sports coat because I would look good on their video feed. And she asked me some questions, and I was looking to give fact-based answers. I wasn't looking to come across as an ebullient fan or anything like that. I was trying to give fact-based, level, reasonable responses to all the questions I was being asked. And around me, I had people saying things like, yeah, build the wall, drain the swamp, and all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to keep the focus on me giving a good professional interview because – that could be very valuable to me, demonstrating that I have the ability to speak on a wide variety of subjects and be analytical and fact-based in my responses. So my question is, when you are trying to be a media professional and you have people whooping it up around you, how do you keep your composure and how do you get through all that noise? So they look at you and they say, that's Steve, that's the guy. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So that's the... Uh, being calm in the eye of a storm, so to speak, with the noise yeah. and everything else that's all around you. Again, it's just being prepared, knowing what communication you want to give. And I'm sure I haven't heard about the end result, but I, I'm sure it turned out really well for you, Adam. But yep. um, number, you know, the bottom line is, um, when I was a reporter, at times I would do reporting, go out in the street. I kind of knew what I wanted to say. Uh, so I would ask questions to get people to hopefully give me the soundbite that I was looking for that would complement my story. I'm not saying that happens all the time, um, but I was in a situation where I was able to do that. I was not breaking news. I was more human interest uh, stories. So I would ask questions and hopefully get the answer that I wanted. Um, but you've got to remember that every reporter, every news outlet has their own agenda. And we, get, we got back into that earlier. They want ratings or they want to create drama or excitement or whatever it might be. Um, so you've got to be prepared. You know, who is this person that's asking me these questions? Number one, what's, what's their possible angle? If you have the opportunity ahead of time, say, what is it you're looking for? What, what kind of, where are you going with this story? What would you like? Uh, me to accentuate or, or talk to. Um, so if you've got that luxury, great, if you can do that. But in your case where you're 
I won't say ambushed, but you're approached in a situation where you can't ask questions ahead of time. Right. And you just, you just try to stay calm and cool, answer the question as clearly and succinctly as you can, and just look friendly and calm in that situation. Yeah, in that situation, it didn't matter what my opinion of the president was or even why I was there. I was being asked my observations about what are the rallies like, what are my thoughts on some of the current government policies, and I even had the opportunity to interject some things I'd like to see. So I looked at it from my preparation was my review of the issues, the things that I track on a daily basis, my understanding of what's going on in this country and my thoughts on it, and how I can articulate that in a way that could be helpful to others. Yeah, yeah. Again, and you got back to serving others, giving information, your opinion, but giving your opinion in in this arena. And so you were prepared because you knew what you wanted to speak on. So that's all. Absolutely. So Tell us more about how to prepare or how to know how to prepare on what to say to the media. Well, I, I, it begins with knowing the audience. What are they yep. looking for? If you, if you get that opportunity, like I mentioned earlier, if uh, they're bringing you in as a guest expert, your opinion on global warming or whatever it might be, right. uh, to, to know your stuff, you wouldn't be there if they didn't think that you were an expert guest of some sort. You've got some credentials, so you bring that to the table. And they will announce that because that gives them credibility that you know what you're talking about. Uh, and then speak to the issue. Make sure you're current so you have current information. And if there's some uh, information that's inaccurate that's going around currently, have your opinion on that or be able to set that correctly, you know, set it straight so there's no equivocation on that. Um, and, and just portray yourself as an expert that you are. Answer the questions. Um, be sincere. Don't be standoffish uh, and, and, and go with it and see where it goes. But it, it, you know, that kind of exposure will help you tremendously down the road in your industry. Yeah, I will tell you that uh, yeah, the end result of that little interview I did, actually, the interview itself went really well. Uh, they were having some video issues, so some of it's audio only. But I was able to retrieve enough of it and <laughs> trim out some of the distractions so that there are a couple clips where you can see my interview presentation style, how I'm able to answer questions, how I'm able to speak from a fact-based perspective, and a little bit about my body language in the situation and things like that. So any producer can, if I need to submit that as a sample, get a sense of what they could look forward to if they had me on their show. So I looked at it from every possible benefit I could get from it. Even though it wasn't major media, it was an alternative new media that has a very specific agenda and a very specific purpose. It can still be useful to the producer who just wants to know what they're getting. Yeah, that's right. And the marketing aspect, as you mentioned there, is extremely important. When you go on television, most people, even if you told them ahead of time, hey, I'm going to be on CNBC uh, on Fast Money, the money program, uh, which my client was, and you, you talked about the free publicity that he got from that, $1.8 yeah. million dollars worth of free publicity. Um, but uh, most people are not going to tune in. You know, they're, gonna, they're busy with their life, and they don't have time to do that. But that's why you record it. That's why you put it then on your website, your social media feeds. You cut it down, maybe put it on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. Use that to your advantage because that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great marketing piece that will be useful for many years 
throughout your career as, as you move on. So that's one of the benefits of getting publicity from the media. It's almost a third party endorsement. Well, he must be good enough. He must know what he's talking about that the media wants to talk to him. And, and, and that, that comes across to the audience and you use that in presentations, you use it any way you can uh, in, in your marketing arsenal. Yeah, a friend of mine from college, he is a he's a CPA, a tax advisor, financial advisor down in Florida, and he was interviewed for one of his local major media affiliates who are looking for somebody to share expertise on the current debate about tax legislations. This is going back about two years. And knowing he was going to be on that station, he let everybody know that a tune in, uh, you know, get the live stream. It's going to be around 4.40 p.m. Eastern time, and they're going to interview me. T- tell me what you think of it. And I actually took the time to tune in so that I could see what he was doing and be able to say, you know, I knew him when. And the beauty part of that for him is he has a credentializer where he can see that the he can show that the media came to him looking for advice for the community on how to interpret what was going on in the news with regards to the upcoming tax reform legislation. And it was helpful to him also, all the people sharing that interview and people who took screenshots of it and said, Hey, I knew him when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's extremely valuable. Uh, and, and also too, the words that we use are very important uh, in that presentation. If we're an expert and we're using improper language or slang words or, you know, cutting our INGs off and going gonna and things like that, um, that throws a, a, an ill light on our authority figure. So you need to look and sound your best as an authority, whatever is expected from your audience uh, of of the expert that you are, that's who you should portray. I call it the it factor because a lot of people, um, you know, think it's just all about presentation skills, how you look. Well, that is true, but there's much more to that. Uh, it's the eye contact and the, uh, the nonverbal things that we talked about. What, what makes an active listener? That's important too, because the listener or the questioner uh, might ask something with a certain tone in their voice uh, and they want maybe a certain answer. So, Again, just being the, the consummate professional, the executive presence that I talk about uh, is important to get your message fully out there correctly. All right. I want to take this a little bit to online marketing because it is very important. Uh, before the internet really became a thing, it might have been different, and that was some of your early experience. Today, if somebody gets on, their, whether it's their local news affiliate or whether it's a new media stream or whether they hit something like CNBC, for instance, they are there because they want to gain benefits from their business. Now, when you do certain types of interviews or appearances within the internet marketing world, you get to say your website URL over and over again. Now, I have the understanding that when you can get the major type of media exposure, it's actually kind of a faux pas to say your website. So what do we need to be doing with our marketing to make sure that people can find us, especially if our name is John Smith? 
Yeah, that uh, that that's that's true. I, I, you know, I'm not so much of a PR expert on on how to get that across. I think as long as you can, and I've heard some of your your programs where I think you did discuss this uh, real early in the day uh, in regards to uh, common names and how do you get your name across. Yeah, we uh, covered so that. Yeah, so it so it does come up to you know one of the first spots in Google, but um, I I think if you are anchored in your your industry, whatever that might be, if it's the internet industry uh, with with uh, LinkedIn selling or Facebook ads or whatever it might be, just you know, make sure put out as much content as possible, because the more content you have, the easier it is for people to find you, um, and and I find that too many times I. I I pick up just part of the company name or part of the first person's name and I'll, I'll put both of those in and see what comes across. So I think you do have to be very mindful of that, but uh, the more uh, links that you have pointing back to your website or to your social media um, ledger, uh, the easier it will be for, for people to find you. So hopefully I answered that question correctly. I think that is quite helpful. I mean, you and I are, in a somewhat advantageous position because we have fairly unique names. You are the first person in 42 years I've met whose name is Steve Koch, spelled uh-huh. K-O-S-C-H. So if you can get the spelling right, I could bing the Yahoo out of the Googles right now. I could pull up all kinds of information about you. In fact, I did when you first approached us about being on Business Creators Radio. I go through a vetting process with all my prospective guests. And one of the things that attracted me to having you on this show was that I was able to find so much information about you that was valuable information. And I saw some examples of you in the media. I saw some interviews. So I only spent a few minutes on it, but that gave me enough so that I had a pretty good idea what I was getting. I even knew that I was going to get an extremely high quality audio feed from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's important. And so, yeah, and it's, it's, it's uh, everywhere you go on the internet, you need to come across as being professional and an authority expert. And whether that's videos, articles, uh, podcast, links, it all has to uh, all work together. So you're, you're right. Marketing is one of the most important benefits. That's why we're doing podcasts, uh, to get our name out there, to get exposure. Um, but also in my case, uh, for me, a lot of people may have different opinions, but my case, I want people to be informed. I want them to walk away with something actionable that they can apply to their business. And if one thing helps their business, my gosh, I know how hard it was for me in, in the 25, six years that I've been in business for myself. If somebody can ease one of my problem areas um, with some information, then great. Learn something valuable from it. That's wonderful. So I, I'm, I'm more of a giving kind of person. Uh, others are in it for more publicity and things like that. But um, that's, I feel good when I contribute. Absolutely. And we have about 10 minutes left here. And I know I want to give you a minute or two at the end, because I believe you have something for our listeners to take away from this that can help them. Before we get there, though, there is one other topic I'd really love to cover. Many of our listeners are concerned about their demo reel. In fact, I'm concerned about my demo reel, and I'm in the process of revising it myself. So how do you build your demo reel to capture the media's attention? Um, 
Well, you always want to put your best foot forward. So whatever that is, when I was a television weathercaster, that's how we got jobs. I sent my demo tape into the TV station and they would watch maybe 10 seconds or 20 seconds if they saw something they liked, if they liked my look or my style or whatever it might be, then maybe they watched the full two and a half minutes. So it was short, uh, but I put my best material up front. Uh, this This is what I'm all about. Here's, here's my best material, and then I give them more samples. Um, give them a variety. Uh, you don't want to be all typecast um, uh, unless maybe you're in the financial services industry. Then you, you don't want to be um, on, on the Oprah show talking about your cooking habits or something along those lines. Keep right. it topic-focused uh, and your current material up front as best as possible. Show a good variety uh, that you've been around, um, and that helps other people. Uh, television stations to know that you've been around and that you can speak and entertain their audience or educate their audience. That's what, that's what the producers are looking for when they're looking to hire as, as you vetted me. uh, That's how they vet guests that go on television or in the media. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct about that. And I want to highlight something that you said in your answer, which is, I'm going to paraphrase you. They watched about 20 seconds of it. And then you also heard me say that when I looked for examples of you being interviewed, I said, I listened to a few seconds here and there. So what Mm -hmm. I want our listeners to capture is that you can try and find your best 30 minutes of material and maybe somebody's going to go through all that, but really to Mm -hmm. get the bookings, to get the interviews, to get the quotes, you are most likely to make that impression with just a few seconds of your material. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that goes along with everything that we've talked about here today is the verbal and also the nonverbal clues, you know, when it's video. Um, but even in the voice, if, if I only audition by my voice, they can say, well, it sounds nice and he's got vocal variety and he looks sincere, sounds sincere. Uh, all of those are clues to the professional that's, that's vetting all this. Um, and that's important because you, it always gets down to, is it going to be an interesting guest? Is it going to sell my newspaper or whatever it might be? So, Yeah, a friend of mine who wanted to get more speaking engagements was having a challenge because there were just no videos of her speaking from the stage. Mm-hmm. She had done some speaking engagements, but either there was no video or, and this frequently happens, something happens to the video and it ends up either not working out or the sound is awful or the videographer didn't really know what they were doing because the organizer decided to hire somebody for $250 who said they had a webcam or something like that. Um, Or, uh, you know, a variety of things can happen. But she was able to create a demo reel, so to speak. She realized that there was a very powerful plan B out there, which was simply to get interviewed on podcasts that had video and to supplement that when she needed to by just having a friend of her interview her in a video format, and they did a live stream of it. She was able mm-hmm. to take a few of these pieces and put it together and show enough of her physical presence that they could say, yeah, this will look good on her stage. Let's hire her. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that, that gets back to being scrappy, you know, making it work when you, when you can't make it work. 
uh, photographs are another way to do that. Uh, we've made so many demo reels for, for clients over the years, and we would use whatever video we could. Some of it was just a, a, a iPhone video. Didn't look good, but I mean, it was okay. It, it looked, you know, it looked all right. Uh, but we sprinkled that with uh, testimonials, with um, pictures of their book, or them on stage, just photographs of them on stage, yeah. and then listing clients that they have spoken with, and then just had a narrator saying, uh, you know, Susie Smith has done this, and she's appeared here, and she's, she does this for audiences, and you should take a look at her. Uh, but you're, you're right. I mean, I love that idea about the webcast and the live streaming and things like that. Learn to be scrappy, and I think these people did, and incorporate that into your demo reel. And a demo reel, for those that don't know, as we've, we've discussed, that's where the, um, the gatekeeper, so to speak, will decide if you're going to be a good host or not, or a good guest. Yeah, about a year and a half ago, I spoke at an event here in Las Vegas. Actually, it was an opportunity to kind of land it on my lap because the event was going to be that weekend, and it was Monday afternoon, and the event planner, the, comp- the woman who owned the company that they hired to manage the event, had previously been a guest on Business Creators Radio Show, so I knew her somewhat. And she put out there, hey, we need a speaker. Uh, we need somebody who can cover something on this type of topic. Uh, do you know anybody? And I put up, I said, yeah, I know somebody. I know the man in the mirror. I'm right here in Las Vegas, so you have no travel and no hotel you have to pay for. I'm available. I have this topic. I have the signature presentation I can show you right now. We can make slight modifications and put your logo on it or what have you, but I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And I got booked immediately. So when I got to that room, there were over 350 people in the room. They were not recording it on video but they did have a professional photographer there. So I made friends with the photographer and I asked her one small favor. I asked her if she could, while I was speaking, get three shots that were very important to me. One of which was a shot from the back of the room that showed that I was speaking in front of a large audience Mm -hmm. and to capture me in one of those motivational speaker type poses. So there's now a beautiful picture of me standing in front of this big audience with my arms spread out. I also wanted a photo where I was receiving applause. So I asked her to be attentive to when I I did an applause line. And as the applause was coming in to get a good picture of me basking in it, basically. So I got that one. And then the third one I wanted was of me interacting directly with an audience member so people could see that I am an engaging speaker. So I got those three and that's what I needed. But I was conscious of what I could get out of the situation at the time and how to get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And being prepared, you were prepared ahead of time and you were uh, aware of the opportunity and you took advantage of it. So good for you. That's, Thank you very much. That's one of the things you definitely need to do for sure. Yeah. Well, Steve, we are at the top of the hour here and we could probably do this for another three more hours, but mm-hmm. we do have to wrap up. And I know that you had a little something you wanted to share with our audience. Oh, sure. Um, I I have a a, a PDF which has some great information on presentation uh, tips. If you go to my website, mediatrainingnetwork.com, you can find that uh, there. And I ask you to uh, join my uh, newsletter so I can give you some more information about uh, speaking skills and media presentation skills. And then as a bonus, one of the free things, the best things I've ever done, anybody that I've ever interviewed, and this was at CNN, in 1992, I interviewed uh, Zig Ziglar, who was a motivational expert and sales and marketing expert, 
nice. great guy, great wisdom and insight on business and how to live your life and be positive and enthusiastic. Uh, and one of the quotes that he said was, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday ended last night. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And the gem of this whole thing was I interviewed him for a whole hour at CNN and we used a 10 second sound or 10 second sound bite for the program I was using called seeds of success at the time. Yes. I forgot about the tapes. I put them away into the garage, just found them four or five years ago, pulled them out, listened to them, polished them up, remastered them, sent it to the Ziegler family. They were so appreciative. And then I put it on, uh, on my uh, YouTube, um, channel. So go to YouTube, Steve Koch, K-O-S-C-H, and you can watch the Lost Zig Ziglar interview. I mean, it's truly will make your day. So that's, that's what I've got for the audience. Yep. I want to make one final note as I tell people to go to mediatrainingnetwork.com and gain these things that you just shared with us is when you go to that website, you'll see the hero image on the front page. And Steve, if it's you, standing in front of several other people who either are reporters or definitely look like them with a number of media logos behind them. So you see uh, the ABC affiliate in Los Angeles, the CNN logo, you see Eyewitness News, and just the way you're dressed and the way your body is positioned, even your hairstyle, you remind me of every anchorman. <laughs> so you well, I love, that. I love that you movie with... Uh... With Will Ferrell. I mean, that anchor man. I love that movie. Yes, so, me too. So much true wisdom there, especially with the hairspray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So when I see your picture, one of the questions I'm not going to ask is, where did you get those clothes? The toilet store? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was fun. It was fun. Absolutely. So Steve Koch of Media Training Network, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Adam. All right. And for everybody listening, we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.